You are listening to the sermon series, Follow. In this sermon, Pastor Dan Chung examines the gospel according to Luke, the identity of Jesus, and the cost of discipleship. The following is a presentation of LifeLight Church in San Francisco. For more information and other audio content, please visit LifeLightChurch.org. Well, let's get started. We, um, this is the end. <laughs> We're done with Luke. Who's happy? No one's happy. I'm Who's happy? happy? Wait. I like Luke. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm, I'm not happy. I'm, happy <laughs> I'm kind of happy. Because um, of what lies ahead and what we can learn. But have you guys all enjoyed studying the Luke? Yeah. Yeah, it was, it was good. Today is the last one. And um, we'll move on to next. Um, and we'll pick up the next book that we're going to uh, study on Sunday. Probably in November. And in between that, we'll have... Someone else preached, Josh will do a series, and um, I, I'm inviting Don Chrisman to come and do a series too, too. So, in the meantime, I'll get time to prepare for the next section that we want to um, work on and we want to study together. Uh, but Luke is done. So, I asked you two things, because the topic of today is, it's your turn to tell the story now. So, basically, what we do as believers is, when we come to faith, the first thing we must do is to learn the Bible. Read the Bible. But you don't just read the Bible. Because reading the Bible throughout is good. While it's good, it's not in-depth. It's not deep enough. It's not, it's not enough. So what we are called to do, what we're taught to do is we've got to study the Bible. And you study book by book. What does this mean? But when you're done with studying the book, you should be able to tell what it's about. Right? Well, you read Exodus. Study Exodus. What's it about? And you should be able to tell others what it's about. Right? So that's really when you understand what it's about. So we study the Luke. So I'm going to ask at the end. I have a very, I have a fairly short uh, part, you know, to study for the last um, 30 verses or so that we have. Uh, but after that, I want you to share what do you think is Luke about? And just don't give me the typical. It's about Jesus. <laughs> that's too obvious. But what is it really about? What is Luke's theme, thesis in his book, right, in his gospel. And also share, what was your favorite teaching? And don't say, well, I remember Dan teaching. It's not Dan, but what did the scripture teach you? What was your favorite teaching from the Luke that you talked, that you were, that you received, that I really liked this part, and I remember this part, and this was really meaningful to me. Okay? So, be thinking about that. You should, it shouldn't really require you to think through, but just kind of, oh, this one. So, it should, like, Come up spontaneously, naturally, right? <laughs> Maybe not. <laughs> okay, well, let me pray. And we'll look at our uh, last passage of the Gospel according to Luke. Jesus, we thank you for the book that you have inspired Luke to write. And it had passed on to us miraculously and it has benefited us. It has taught us so much. And I pray that it wasn't just reading and studying intellectually. But it has convicted us, convicted our hearts, and moved our mind to live our lives for you and live our lives following you. Learning to live and love like Jesus that we found in the Gospel of Luke. As we close the book, I hope that your spirit allows us to remember it. And it will bring us back to the, what we have learned to guide us and move us and direct us. And sometimes take away, move us away from the conflict that we have. That what we face in the world will be conflicting to what we have learned and we will follow you instead of the world and others. 
Pray that you give us understanding at this hour, and your spirit will guide our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so here's our last passage. It's basically the uh, last chapter. We have studied to 35. This is from verse 36 to 53, so it's short. Um, So let's go ahead and read. Verse 36, I read the verse and you read the next. While they were talking about this, this is the following the last week where um, the two, two, two people from the tribe of the mouse came back and told them, Oh, we saw Jesus. And oh, Simon saw Jesus too. Oh, Jesus came to, you know, showed up here and there. And they were talking about Jesus appearing right after resurrection. While they were talking about this, Jesus himself stood among them and said to them, Peace be with you. He said to them, Why are you frightened, and why do doubts arise in your hearts? And when he had said this, he showed them his hands and his feet. While in their joy they were disbelieving and still wondering, he said to them, Have you anything here to eat? They gave him a piece of broiled fish. Then he said to them, These are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you, that everything written about me in the law of the law of Moses, the prophets, and the Psalms must be fulfilled. <coughs> and he said to them, Thus it is written that the Messiah is to suffer <coughs> and to rise from the dead on the third day. <coughs> You are witnesses of these things. Then he held them out as far as Bethany, and lifting up his hands, he blessed them. And they worshipped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy. The end. <laughs> well, that's the end of it. That's the end of Gospel of Luke. And most of you know that Luke continues on this story in the book of Acts. So what we have today is uh, just following last week's, Jesus appears to disciples, right? And basically Jesus appears out of nowhere and they freak out. They're scared and they say it's ghost, but he's not a ghost, right? He's not a ghost. He has come... And he shows, I'm not a ghost. You were doubting in your mind, but I'm not a ghost. So he gives us proofs. He, he proves to his disciples and to us as well. So there are three proofs that we can see in this passage that Jesus' body, Jesus didn't, didn't come as a ghost, which is a lot of other religions and others believe, except that Judaism actually believed in, in resurrected body. That it's body that arise, come. It's different from just spiritual being like a ghost that's floating around. So there are three proofs. Number one, he appeared to many. As you know, hallucination or seeing things are individual experience. It happens to one person. You can't say, I saw this UFO coming down. And you don't really have another group of people say, I saw it too. Did you see it last night? Then it's truth, right? Usually it's a case of one person saying, I saw an alien. right? And no one believes it. Right? Oh, I saw a ghost. There was a ghost in this house. Like when I tell you that I saw a ghost in this house. 
Right? It's usually an individual. <laughs> you can caught up on that later on. It's usually an individual experience, but it's not here because Jesus, on verse 36, that Jesus himself, himself stood among them and said to them, there were many of them. And when you look at 1 Corinthians chapter 15, in verse 6, it'll say, Then he appealed to more than 500 brothers and sisters at one time. There isn't such thing as a group hallucination. It's an individual thing. So what proves that Jesus came, resurrected, and came and showed himself as a body, is that he showed up to many. And many have seen him together. So that's proof number one. Proof number two, you can touch him. Not like, like in the movies we see, like you try to touch the ghost and it goes through. Um, you guys are too young to like remember a movie, go, movie Ghost with yes, Demi Moore and uh, Patrick Swayze. Patrick right. <laughs> it's like a you know, ghost trying to reach out and its body isn't touchable or it can't, ghost can't touch a person. Um, sometimes like they can move by force, move something by force. But it's usually you can't touch ghost, right? But here Jesus says... Look at, my, look at my hands and my feet. Touch and see. For ghost does not have flesh and bones as you see that I have. This understanding and thought and belief and maybe just curiosity about ghosts have been centuries long. People have thought and you know, thought, oh, well, I saw ghost. But you can't really touch. Their idea of a ghost is that you can't touch ghosts because it's just form that you can't touch. And Jesus said, look, touch me. And they're like, Touching, right? In other gospel, they would bring their hands into the, you know, the scar. He's scars and seeing everything, and they're touching his muscles, and it's a complete body, right? It's a complete body. So it's not a ghost. Jesus has a resurrected body that's touchable. So that's proof number two. Proof number three is what he eats. He's eating here, right? He's eating. Um, verse forty-one at the end it says, "Have you anything here to eat?" Jesus saying, "Let me show you." What this body is like, it's different than what you're thinking. I'm not a ghost. I can eat stuff. And they gave him a, a piece of broiled fish. I don't know how good that is, like fish and chips. But they gave that to him. Jesus ate. And we know from other Gospels that he's eaten with, last week's, the couple that went to Emmaus, they say he broke the bread and ate with them. Right? It's a body that can eat, take food and digest. And another uh, in the Gospel of John, we see that he's having breakfast. He's cooking He's hanging out with the disciples and he's actually eating the food that he cooked with the disciples. So, it's a body that they can eat. So, it's not a ghost. It's not a spirit, some kind of spiritual, weird, floating around type of thing. It's a body. It's a resurrected body. So, our question is, what kind of body is this? Right? It's not a spiritual ghost kind of body, but it's a real kind. Right? It's, we're talking about full, functional Bodily resurrection and not just ghostly or spiritual. Right? What kind of body is this? So the most intelligent and most deep question that arises from this is if we receive this resurrected body, do we go to the bathroom? <laughs> right? That's what comes in everyone's mind. Oh, resurrected body, it's like a fully bodily function. Do I poop? Or you know, for young people, a lot of people, do we have sex still? Is this body that we still have, like, our sexual things, and do we have sex, right? Or another question is like, well, if baby died, then does baby resurrect in baby form? Or if I lost my leg, then 
Do I resurrect in with my legs attached or not? Um, I don't know. There's a festival, that horrendous festival in San Francisco this weekend. So it's thought is well, if the, if I'm a trans, if I'm a transy, then do I resurrect in a woman form I was originally or man or what happens? Right? These are all the thoughts that we have when we think about a fully resurrected body that is functional and that's what we resurrect to. So those are things we can be curious about, but those are silly things. So to this, I present to you Apostle Paul and he tell us what, uh, what he tells us what we should, uh, how we should reflect on that. So this is in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 35. It's in the back of your sermon note. So here's Paul. But someone will ask, how are they? How are the dead raised? What kind of body? What kind of body do they come? And he says, here's what Apostle Paul says: Fools! What you sow does not come from come to life unless it dies. And as for what you sow, you do not sow the body that is to be, but a bare seed, perhaps wheat or of some other grain. But God gives it a body as it has chosen. And to each kind of seed, its own body. So what he's talking about is, stop asking silly questions. I, you know, you can imagine they were asking the same questions. So do we eat? How do we digest? Do we have babies? Do we have sex? You know, do we come with a fully functional? Is it when we're young, the young body we get, or old body we get, or asking all these silly questions? And, you know, basically the question is, what kind of body will I get? It's going to be fit, strong? Is it just as I have? Am I still going to be the appearance I have? Or is it be different appearances? What will it be? And Paul's quest answer here is, kind of like what we discussed in today's scripture. He says, well, it's up to God. He'll decide and he'll tell you, you get it, what God gives you. And he said, it'll be what you sow on earth. So whatever that means, it's basically what we need to understand. It. It's up to God. And we shouldn't be asking this sort of question. Verse 42, he continues on. So it is with the resurrection of the dead, what is sown is perishable, what is raised is imperishable. It is sown in dishonor and it is raised in glory. It is sown in weakness. Weakness, it is raised in power. So what Paul is saying is our current body must die because it is soaked in sin. In and out of body. Inside of body, outside of body. We are frail, we are have diseases, our body is weak, and all of that because of sin, right? It's soaked in sin. But the new body will be glorious. It will be completely, completely without sin's effect, is what Paul's saying. Verse 49, just as we have borne the image of man of dust, we will also bear the image of the man of heaven. That means we will bear the body just like the one of Jesus that we see in the gospel. 54, when this perishable body puts on imperishability and this mortal body puts an immortality, then the saying that is written will be fulfilled. Death has been swallowed up in victory. Where, O oh death, is your victory? Where, O oh death, is your sting? The sting of death is sin and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives to us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. What's the most important thing about this body? Is that there is no more death. Immortality is the point of it all. Why? Because sin does not rule in our body no more because of what Jesus has done. Paul finishes here, Therefore, my beloved, be steadfast, immovable, always excelling in the work of the Lord because you know that the Lord, you know that in the Lord your labor is not 
in vain. So we need to recognize what this body is going to be about. This is what we talked about last week. Do you believe in the resurrected body? Do you know what it's going to be like? We can't have answers to all our silly questions and all our curiosity, but what we know is that it's perfect. And it's immortal. It will not die, and it's perfect. And if God gives us, it's the best we'll ever have. So all our questions need not be answered at this moment, but we need to trust that it's God's gift and perfect gift, a perfect body that's given to us. We see some of glimpses of what Jesus' body is like. That's what we receive, and it will be immortal. But that's not the most important thing. What we need to understand at this point is, what should this belief about resurrected body and our understanding lead us to? In other words, as we always do, how should we respond to this belief and understanding? And Paul says here, if you understand that you're eternal and receive perfect body and no longer under the power of sin and death, and we are victorious because of Jesus, then don't fear. Persevere, steadfast, do not be shaken, do the work of God and do it well. So our response to, the, to it is, everything will be well, we are victorious, we have already won, our body will be perfect, we won't die, there will be no sorrow, no pain, no suffering, no tears. Then what do we do now? We persevere. Because we know the ending, because we know that we're victorious, we focus on the work we have to do, and we do it well. Because our work, because we're eternal, is not in vain. These are things that I have repeated over and over through the Gospel of Luke and what we studied, is that our labor is not in vain. When we, what we do as we follow Jesus will not be in vain. So Paul, even in this, he really follows Jesus well. So we're going to read what Jesus said, continuing... Um, because Jesus also, after sharing his body, his resurrected body with his disciples, tells his disciples how they should respond after seeing resurrected Jesus. Right? He presents them the mission. And that's really, as Jesus is living, what he's left us with is the mission. So what Jesus is saying here, the mission, we've talked about, is that this is not a new message. We talked about this. The, all of the Bible is about who? Jesus. About Jesus, right? Jesus, it's all about Jesus. But what Jesus is saying here kind of draws out what we talked about, that Bible, his mission and what he's presenting, the, this whole thing is not new. But it's been same all along. It's been about Jesus all along. The prophecies have been about Jesus all along. The mission of God has been the same since the very beginning. So, you know, I'm starting to dislike the whole concept of Old Testament, New Testament, which means old promise and new promise. But what we understand here is, it's been the same. It's the same story, same promise, same mission from the very beginning to the end. And so that's what Jesus is saying. You look at it in his words here, he's saying things like, that everything written about me, or he says, thus it is written, and he said, what my father promised, he's saying, well, it's all the same. From the beginning, it's been the same story, same agenda, same mission, same love, same story. It's been about me, and it's been a long, it's been continuing. So he's this, you know, the tenses that the words that Jesus is using is continuing sense. Now that he's here, I'm presenting something new, but this is what it meant. It's been the same way all along. It's continuing. And what Jesus has taken in his life is the mission of God. And we know this because he shares it, especially in Lord's Prayer. And I hope that we are reminded as we pray the Lord's Prayer, 
that Jesus has given us Lord's Prayer as his mission. He's taken of Jesus' mission that let the, what is in heaven be on earth. The work of God be done on earth as it is in heaven. That's Jesus taking on the mission of God and he's instructing us to continue on this mission. Take it. So he calls us to take on the same mission. Verse 47, he says that repentance and forgiveness of sins is to be proclaimed in his name to all nations. So that's the mission that he's giving us, which has been the same mission from the beginning. That was God's mission from the beginning, which Jesus took on. In Mark's version, it says, go into all the world and proclaim the good news to the whole creation. In Matthew's version, it says, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. What's our mission? Go out and baptize in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Right. That's these are all three. The gospel is saying, saying the same thing. In Luke, we're saying what we're reading is repentance, forgiveness of sins, which is the gospel. And Luke is saying, tell it. Jesus is saying, tell it to everyone. Right. In Mark's version, same thing. Good news is referring good news to whole creation, every creation. Right. In Matthew's version, go and make disciples. So what he's saying is more than just sharing, right? And that's what we believe in Lifeline. We, we follow this. We believe in this. So we follow that it's not just about sharing the gospel, walking away, but we make disciple makers. Not only do we make disciples, but we make disciple makers that make disciple makers that make disciple makers and that make disciple makers and on and on and on. That's is the mission and that's what we're doing and it starts by committing right committing to the work about learning and we'll cover all of that but that's what we're doing we're called the mission is to make disciple makers and that's what we're doing and that's why we emphasize more than just showing up once in a while and just being reminded oh this is what the gospel is about that's really not the whole of the mission whole of the mission is we make disciple makers and what that, all of that means is explained by Paul again. And he really summarizes well. So I didn't want us to miss that out. So 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Again, here's Paul. Verse 1. Now I would remind you, brothers and sisters, of the good news that I proclaimed to you, which you in turn received, in which also you stand, through which also you are being saved, if you hold firmly to the message that I proclaimed to you, unless you have, been, you have come to believe in vain. So, basically, this means that the gospel is everything in which we stand. Verse 3, For I handed to you, as of first importance, what I in turn had received, that Christ died for our sins, accordance with the scriptures, and that he was buried, and that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the scriptures. That's the whole gospel, in short, right? That's what Luke is all about, but don't say that when you share what Luke is all about. Um, that's the whole of the gospel. Verse 12, now, if Christ is proclaimed as raised from the dead, how can some of you say there is no resurrection of the dead? Because some people have been questioning and talking and doubting, but it's nonsense. Paul continues on, If there is no resurrection of the dead, then Christ has not been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, then our pro proclamation has been in vain, and your faith has been in vain. We are even found to be misrepresenting God because, not, because we testify of God that we, He raised Christ whom he did not raise, if it is true that the dead are not raised. For if the dead are not raised, then Christ has not been raised. If Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile, and you are still in your sins. Then those 
also who have died in Christ have perished. If for this life only we have hoped in Christ, we are all, we're of all people most to be pitied. Basically he's saying, well if you don't believe in these things, what's the point? That's meaningless. Everything that we're talking about is meaningless. I hope you get this. How important it is for us to believe in the resurrected body in us, which came from Christ's resurrection. If you do not believe in that, all of this is meaningless, in vain. He continues on, verse 30, And why are we putting ourselves in danger every hour? I die every day. That is as certain, brothers and sisters, as my boasting of you, a boast that I make in Christ Jesus our Lord. If with merely human hopes I fought with wild animals and fishes, what would I have gained by it? If the dead are not raised, let us eat and drink for some... <clears throat> For sorrow, for tomorrow we die. Do not be deceived. Bad company ruins good morals. Come to a sober <clears throat> and right mind and sin no more. For some people have no knowledge of God. I say this to your shame. So it's only resurrection that makes difference. It makes sense to believe in it. Because without it, it doesn't make sense. Without it, all of us will lead into, well, let's drink, let's have fun. Let's do whatever we want because what's the point? Because tomorrow we'll die. So again, from last week, do you believe in the resurrected uh, body? That, do you believe that when we die, after that, we'll be with the Lord and we will receive a body that is perfect? That this life, our life will continue on eternally. And what we do matters. It's not in vain. And it's the single most important thing that we need to believe. I think... Not enough of us believe it and display in our daily lives. In the way that we hope, in the way that we make decisions, we don't believe it. How important is it? So Paul says, so get on it. Get to the work. Get to work. There's the mission. Carry it out because it will not be in vain. And the question remains, how can we do it? How can we do this? What do we need? And that's what Jesus gives us here at the end. First, it says, in verse 45, said, Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures. He just opened it up. They understand scriptures. So what that means, what do we need? There are two things we need to carry on the mission of God. One, we got to know the Bible. It's really without saying. You know, we emphasize this a lot. Understanding of scripture is a gift from God. You understand because it's a gift. God has given you the gift. And disciples receive the gift. It says, Jesus opened up their minds to understand the scriptures. Have you received the gift from God? If not, seek it. God, I don't want to just come to Bible study. I don't want to just hear what's being preached on Sunday. I want to understand it. Give me the understanding of God. That's why we pray. That's why I pray before we dive into this. That's why Josh prayed when he studied the Bible. Give us understanding, Lord, because it's a gift from God. So it's important to know why we do things by knowing the Bible and why we do things we do and how it carries out what pur 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 purpose it fulfills and, and believe in it, right? It's not just about loving and serving and, you know, all that concept about, you know, love people, you know, gospel and all of that. But, you know, when necessary, speak, use the, use the words. That's not true. That's false. Whoever said it denies that he said it. It's misunderstood. It's one of the most misunderstood things. There is a concept that is good to understand, but... No, you don't just love and serve without saying it because people don't understand. Like, why are you doing this to us? 
Well, let me explain why. Right? We have to understand that our emotion and passion has to go along with understanding. Be able to explain and understand why we do the things we do. And that also allows that we don't do these things just to do it, but we also do it at the right time, at right place. We don't just walk up to somebody and let me share the gospel with you. But we seek the right time, we seek the right opportunity, we seek the right place. And that's why we need a second gift, which is in verse 49. And so, I'm sending upon you what my father promised, so stay here in the city until you have been clothed with power from on high. And what is that gift? What's the gift? The ability to understand. No, the second gift. It starts, it's, you know, HS. Holy something. Holy Spirit. <laughs> it's the Holy Spirit. It said, power from above. He said, I'm sending you a gift from Father. That Father promised long ago. It's been promised since the story of Moses. You guys read it. You guys studied it, studied it, right? It's also a gift of God. And I think Holy Spirit is greatly misunderstood and greatly underappreciated and underutilized. I don't want to say utilized, underserved in our lives and the lives of uh, people today. And we talked about it. the Holy Spirit is really, really sensitive. Uh, really sensitive. Um, and He's most sensitive to our free will. So I think it's constant that we need to understand. Holy Spirit is very sensitive to our free will. Because God respects. That's how we create. That's why He gave us free will. So He respects our free will. And what that means, if we don't allow Him, if we don't completely surrender ourselves to Him, He's not going to empower us in the way that He can. We have to completely empty ourselves and say, take over me. Then, will Holy Spirit say, here, here am I, I take over you. Because you have completely surrendered. Because He respects our free will. He's very sensitive. Right? It's not magical. He doesn't just push His way into us and just comes when we don't notice and when we are... I think He doesn't come to us when we're in sin. When we're rebellious, Holy Spirit does not come in us. He whispers us at us at times, but it's when we surrender, Holy Spirit empowers us and takes over us. So, which means we are desperate for Holy Spirit. In Romans chapter 9, verse 1, Paul says, I speak the truth in Christ, I am not lying. My conscience is com- it confirms it through the Holy Spirit. What does that mean? That means what confirms our action and work in our hearts is the Holy Spirit. We sense it, we know it because of the Holy Spirit. And it's, you know, you look at through the Acts and someday we will go through the book of Acts. And what book of Acts shows that, you know, there's a part that where Paul goes to somewhere and there are believers and he goes and he visits, visits them. There are a bunch of believers, right? And he goes and he says, there's something wrong with you. And he said, you, you don't have a Holy Spirit. And they said, well, what's the Holy Spirit? <laughs> say, you don't have a Holy Spirit. I can see it clearly. It's something that you can see it clearly. And I tell you, those with the Holy Spirit active in their lives can see people without the Holy Spirit. Because you recognize by the Holy Spirit. And that's what Paul's story in Acts is. He says, there's something missing. You're all saying you know this stuff, but you're missing something. You're missing the Holy Spirit. It's visible, right? The Holy Spirit carries us, helps us to carry our mission. So when you look at it, all Christian work is work of the Holy Spirit. So, 
the acts is really acts of disciples, but it's acts of Holy Spirit, and that's what Luke tries to mention. He has emphasized a lot throughout the Gospel of Luke the work of the Holy Spirit in Christ Jesus too, right? So in Gospel, in the Acts of Disciples, Luke mentions Holy Spirit in work fifty-seven times in all of twenty-eight chapters. He said it's the work of the Holy Spirit. We need the Holy Spirit. So knowing the Bible is not enough. And you know that in the Luke too, when, and every time Jesus talked about sending people out and preaching the gospel, he says, you need power. You need power. You can't do this by yourself. We need Holy Spirit. If we don't need the Holy Spirit, disciples right here, Jesus say, all right, you're good. You're under the scriptures, go out. But he doesn't say that. He said, wait until you have the Holy Spirit. You need Holy Spirit. It's not enough in other scriptures. So how do we receive the Holy Spirit? What did the disciples do as they were waiting? Say wait, and they prayed. So that's what we're doing, right? We're praying, we are focusing on prayer, and we want to pray individually and communally. We want to increase in prayer to empower individuals to receive Holy Spirit and to listen, be able to learn to listen to Holy Spirit. And when you look at all about what we're doing, we're actually, I believe we're on the right track as a church. Uh, we emphasize committed, you know, to commitment to living Christian life in community, praying, serving, and giving, and all of that. And all of you are doing really well. Um, we're emphasizing knowing the Bible. We're doing that really well. And we're moving toward really seeking Holy Spirit through prayer. That's why we gather. Because we, as we gather, we want the Holy Spirit to come into us. And we're going to move on to learn communally and how we can listen to Holy Spirit individually and help each other to listen to Holy Spirit. And that's kind of how we want to develop ourselves to be uh, better uh, equipped as a disciple makers. Two things we need. What are those? Understanding of the scripture. Because we need to know what we're talking about, why we do things we do. And the secondly, the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit. To, for us to carry out the work. So I pray, you know, I hope that all of you understand why we are moving into these directions and, you know, the time that we want to focus on emphasizing, learning more deeply about prayer is important. And I talk with Rob about this. Rob wants to emphasize individual prayer life and he's teaching about that. And I want, you know, we talked about, well, also communal prayer too, because each inspires each other. Um, so, Trust me, let me talk with it. It'll move into more time of prayer and prayer. Um, so it's right for us to spend time. Even though it seems we're waiting, 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 it's important for us to dive into that. That's our next direction, for us to receive fully the power of the Holy Spirit. Okay, so that's it. I'm done. And we have uh, a few minutes for you to share. What is what has the Gospel of Luke been all about, and uh, what was your uh, favorite teaching from the Gospel of Luke? Um, I'm gonna pause the recording because you know no one can hear you anyway. <laughs> okay, well let me close with a prayer. Um, I think Gospel of Luke was great. I think the the verse that we want to remember the most is chapter nine. Verse 23, which is what? 
<laughs> if you want to follow me, you must die. Die, carry your own cross. <laughs> yeah, and it's all about following Jesus. We had that theme about follow is because this is about following Jesus. But what we need to remember is that it's not just following the life of Christ. You know, doing loving and serving people, but it's also following the suffering of Christ, taking the suffering onto us. Is it still going? Yes. Do you want to share one? Yeah. <laughs> okay, let me pick up where I um, ended there. So it's following Jesus, not only the life of Jesus, which I think a lot of Christians stop there. Oh, let me just follow the life of Jesus. Let me serve, let me love, let me give to my neighbors, and let me just do all these things and enjoy. But it's also following suffering, Jesus, taking on suffering, sacrificing yourself, giving stuff away. But it's not only that, it's take dying for Christ, which means whole of life. And it's not only that, it's following to resurrected Jesus, which means there is greater hope and we have a power from above. And it's all of that combined. We follow the life of Jesus, suffering Jesus, and resurrected Jesus. And all of that really accounts for what our Christian life should be. And uh, it's my hope and prayer that this is a community that focuses on really following whole of Jesus' life. And from that, learning what it means and what we need to do so, which is what the scripture teaches us. Let me pray. And we'll break the bread that reminds us every week what it means to follow Jesus. Father, we thank you for the great teaching. And although our minds, especially mine, cannot remember well, we know that your Spirit can. So I pray that you will help us to seek for your Holy Spirit and you will fulfill your promise by filling us with the power of the Holy Spirit. We may empty ourselves so and surrender ourselves. You will come in and be active and empower us through your Spirit. We know, well, although we doubt, you say we can do more greater things than you have done. Help us believe that we can do great things for you. Help us desire to do great things for you. And may you bless our community, bless this community to do great things for you. Jesus, amen. This concludes our presentation. For more information and other audio content, please visit lifelightchurch.org.